Hey, Bristol Martin in here with George Mason University. Uh, we're talking to uh, Dr. Mikhail Fannerstead. Um, I totally messed that up, but that's okay. Um, so Mikhail has been uh, making the rounds, giving keynotes at ASAP, at Bera, uh, and just working around the world. And we're uh, very lucky to have him on the podcast. Um, He's one of the main people moving the field and making us rethink concepts, which is great and really made me uh, rethink the way I'm asking questions in my research as well with this article. Um, I think you'll see that uh, in the article breakdown that he is kind of a mover here. Um, so let's go with another episode of playing with research in health and physical education. Uh, and this will be out just in time to close out 2018. Hi, we're here with uh, Dr. Mikael Kvarnestad uh, from Örebro University in Sweden, and we're here to discuss his article titled uh, Healthy Physical Education on the Possibility of Learning Health. Um, it was just published in 2018 in Physical Education and Sport Pedagogy, and this paper was uh, the scholar lecture selected at Bera. Um, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for taking the time to chat about your paper, and maybe you can get started with teaching me how to say your name correctly. Well, in Swedish, it would be Mikael Kvennerstedt. And, uh, but I will thank you. Thank you, Risto. Thank you for It's an honor to be part of this important endeavor that you're doing with the podcast. It's, it's great work that you're doing, spreading research in this way. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and great article. I really enjoyed reading this and reflecting on it. Um, you start the article by stating three main arguments that in physical education and health, we should, one, free health from death, disease, risk, and deficits, to free health from only being understood as a singular noun signifying a human's, human being's normal condition, and then third, free learning from exclusively being understood as individual and instrumental when it comes to health and education. Um, can you give us some context behind this? Well, uh, I would say that the... The concept. I've been working with with issues of health for the last, say, fifteen years, and and I, I would say that health can be defined or described in so many different ways with different consequences. And for me, um, different notions of health become fruitful, like in an emergency room in a hospital, as compared to education or physical education. And I would argue that health should be related to the context where it's used. And, and we must be clear about the assumptions we make regarding health in our case in PE. So my point is that in PE, we should not relate health to death and deficits and risks or singular explanations of how can we address issues of health. We need to do better than this. We need to, to rethink health in different ways in order to PE to become more important relating to health issues. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And you start off by describing the concept of health, especially how many see it in Western cultures. Can you uh, discuss that? Um, yeah, I think I think it's important to to understand that in general, but also in PE and in sport and in public health, we often often tend to view health in terms of a human being's normal condition in absence of, for example, medical or psychological conditions or deviations or diseases or not normal behaviors. And, and this is a, a perfect perspective where, um, as a consequence, the deficit comes in focus and health then is, becomes by accident the absence of disease or the absence of morally incorrect behaviors. And that, that for me is quite problematic. 
And you describe how health has been defined in the next section by using two terms. The first one is morally normative, and the second one was scientifically normative. Can you elaborate on those two terms? Uh, yeah, scientifically normative approaches to health uses science as a norm for what deviates from this normal condition of health. For example, a certain disease or a certain condition. And then we tend to measure that condition in terms of, say, blood pressure or normal pulse or etc. While mo morally normative is when society's norms for uh, normality and normal behavior and I'll say quotation mark around normal behavior, and, and what deviates from that normality is at stake. For an example, in terms of sexuality, where homosexuality has been regarded as a disease historically, but also in terms of gender or body shapes. And sometimes these two normative issues are amalgamated, as in the case of overweight, measured as body mass index, where scientific and moral norms becomes blended in very problematic ways where a slim or fit body becomes the norm without anybody really knowing where that norm comes from. So what's the role of health and physical education in this situation? Well, with this perspective of health, PE becomes a school subject where we should help young people to engage in wise and low-risk behavior and to reduce all risks as much as possible. For example, we should avoid inactivity since the risks of certain diseases then become higher. That is, of course, important, but not the only thing about health. And you bring up the word uh, salutogenesis here, and this is a big piece of the paper, and I know you've written about this in other places. Uh, can you explain this and describe how it relates yeah, it's, it's a kind of difficult word to use, but, but what, I, what we have been talking about so far is what has been termed as pathogenic perspectives. And pathos is uh, disease and genic is the origins. So we are interested in the origins of disease or deficit. And salutogenic, a concept coined by Aaron Antonovsky, is rather about the interest in the origins of being or becoming well. And importantly, this is not an either-or perspective. Instead, everybody has health more or less on a continuum, and the, the consequences is that health can be physical aspects, social aspects, psychological aspects, spiritual aspects, could be meaningfulness, democracy, gender equality, motor development, or that we achieve goals in lives. But of course, illnesses is not taken away from salutogenic perspectives, but not as the deviations from the normal, normal, but as potential barriers for people's health development. Right, and you you lead into this metaphor about a swimmer, and I think it kind of it really ties in this uh, this argument and this um, this paper. Can you explain that metaphor? Yeah, uh, Antonovsky, who I drew, drew on in my paper, sometimes used the metaphor of a swimmer in a river to explain this health health continuum. And he argues that we cannot understand health by focusing on the swimmer, and that is people, as, they, as though they were not in the river. That is the context of their lives. And it's always a twin question when, for example, a really good swimmer in a strong current versus a half decent swimmer in a calm part of the river might be on the same position when it comes to health. And as a consequence, we in physical education, we can address the swimmers. We can address the river, 
or the relation between the swimmer and the river if we want to work with health in PE. And you describe health and physical education as being taught in two positions, uh, which were explained uh, by Richard Tinning as, quote, interventionists or uh, educationalists. What are the two positions? Well, for me, it's it's the constant or the historical debates if PE should mainly or exclusively be about targeting risks and diseases through increased physical activity during PE lessons or if PE should be about education. And that is a constant debate. And I think, I think it, if we widen our notion of health, I think we can marry these two positions in a different way. Right. And so a lot of people use pathogenic. And we talked about this earlier of, you know, you talk about salutogenic, but pathogenic is really popular. People know that word more than they do the other. So what's uh, potentially wrong with the pathogenic uh, guided PE approach? Well, I wouldn't say that it's it's wrong in one sense. And of course, pathogenic should be used where it's fruitful. If I come to an emergency room, I would like them to be pathogenic, of course. Right. But if, if we come to education and young people, why should we focus on diseases or risk? And I think um, because a pathogenic perspective individualizes health and, and the individual students then are held responsible for risk reduction, disease prevention, body weight and so forth. And we ignore the cultural and social differences. I think that is really important. And, and um, in education, um, it's not about the specific shared goal. It's, it's about education becoming open-ended, that health can be different things for different people. So what's what's the fix if there is one? Um, I don't think there is a fix, but I rather think that talking about health in a salutogenic way is, is a more fruitful starting point to approach health in PE because we can focus on health, people's health resources and their health development rather than risk reduction. And we can we can look at health, as I said, as a relational issue between the river and the swimmer as something we do. And health is then always in the process of, of becoming something. Um, and we need to ask other questions about what people do in the context of their lives. Right, and so you talk about growth as education and education as growth. So, um, and that's one of the subtitles in your, uh, in your paper. And you draw on John Dewey's uh, concept of this. Can you explain that concept? I think what uh, Dewey is doing quite well and how I use it that is that we, we need to move beyond instrumental notions and ideas of education. And, and Dewey's idea of education as growth illustrates how we can understand health in education as open-ended and salutogenically. And then how, we can, how we, can we do PE and how can PE become educative rather than miseducative? Because I know from research and you too know and everybody knows that that some things we are doing in PE in the name of health isn't that healthy and so this idea then leaves no end in sight really for PE and health it's just this continual reconstruction of student experiences yeah 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 both in both education and health development should for me not end when school ends both should be in a continual process of becoming 
And isn't that what we really should aspire to do in PE, that health, that we should always be more healthy and always be more educated through life? Yeah, absolutely. And so the salutogenic perspective, then the one um, to take when we approach PE, I mean, you discuss at least one version where this approach could lead people in a never ending struggle that you describe as an endless treadmill of health development. And this kind of made me think of uh, Sisyphus, who was who got sentenced to an eternal pushing of the rock up the hill, only to have it fall down again and do it all over. So what are the dangers of taking this approach? Are there are there any? I think with every approach, there are dangers in terms of uh, how we use it. I think the salutogenic perspective is more inclusive and more fruitful in, educa- in educational context. But we need to make our assumptions clear in always in education so we do not fall into any excluding traps along the way. And my point in the paper is that if everything is potentially a question about health, and if we suggest to, to the young people we teach that we should always develop our health, this can become an unhealthy practice in terms of the pressures and the responsibility we put on the young people. So it's, it's, about, um, it's about being careful how we, how we teach and how we educate young people. And what are the consequences for research and practice if we think about even myself, I started thinking, am I asking the right questions? Am I asking these in the in the proper way? So what are some comments for researchers or uh, practicing teachers? Well, for me, it's it's two main things. First, uh, the for me, it's salutogenic perspective has helped me to ask these different questions. Then I ask questions about health resources and what develops all students' health rather than asking questions about risks or what they should avoid. For example, we should ask questions about under what conditions students enjoy PE rather than why certain students do not PE. Another powerful example, I think, is Britta Tedin Jakobsson's study on uh, young teenage girls doing sports. And normally we ask, why do teenage girls stop doing sports? But she asks the question, why do they, under what conditions do they actually stay in sports? And that is a different kind of question and a more important question. And secondly, by combining the salutogenic perspective with a certain view of education, we need to recognize the importance of pedagogy and also that how we teach is as important, if not more important than what we teach in terms of how students can change their river rather than only trying to change the students. It is a pedagogy of plurality where we can acknowledge different ways of being and diverse opportunities to be healthy. So we have to ask the young people what a good life is for them in order to understand health. And I think that is some of the points that have helped me in education and in research with, with this perspective. Yeah, so that was one of the biggest things that I got from reading this paper was you know having having done research in uh, physical education attitudes, we go in and ask those traditional questions. And when I read that, I'm thinking, oh man, did I get it wrong for so long? And, you know, thinking about why aren't we asking the question about what is, what is it, under what conditions do they like physical education? How do they enjoy it? And so I think you, 
you definitely change the way I think about certain things and research wise. So um, what's the take home message here? What do we uh, what do we take from this overall? Well, I, of course, it could be a different thing. But for me, it's it's I would say it's a couple of things. And first, it's as teachers and, and, and researchers, we always have to make our assumptions clear when we claim something about health. If we as teachers say that this activity is good for your health, uh, or as a researcher, we say this intervention is good for your for students' health, we need to make the assumption, what kind of health, what health do we mean here? And health in what, what way? I think the assumptions is important. Secondly, uh, I would like to urge everybody to start asking these salutogenic questions. And it could be salutogenic questions about the swimmer, but also about the river in terms of under what conditions and so forth. Um, I also think that health in P should not, and the consequence is that health in P should not be conceived of, of as a singular normative noun. And it's surprising that we have several different diseases, but only one health. Why is that? And health can be understood as something, it shouldn't be understood as something we have or not have, but rather as something we do. It's a verb. For me, it's a verb and not, not a noun. And that changes the way we teach if we think in that way. And, and then for me, health is something we can learn. And if it's something we can learn, it is something that education should be concerned about. And then it's P, the E in P becomes more important for me. And I think that um, ties into your ASAP keynote is that putting the E in PE. So those that uh, saw that was great. And um, thank you so much for your time. I, I love the fact that we were able to kind of condense this you know, a keynote from halfway across the world for a lot of people into a, a podcast that's uh, a conversational in fashion and easy to digest for people. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to do that. And for the listeners who want to read the full article, uh, you can find it in uh, Physical Education and Sport Pedagogy uh, Journal that was published in 2018. We're going to link to that article in the notes. So if you just scroll down, you can find the full citation. Um, so where can people find you on Twitter, social media, any other avenues? Yeah, first I want to say the, the paper is also, we also paid for open access for it. So it's open access for everybody. That is good. Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter and there, at in Twitter, I, I try to tweet on in English uh, on issues of research I find important. Um, for any listener who uh, understands Swedish, I also have a research blog and, and I post things on, on the P Teachers Facebook groups. But that is only for people that understand Swedish, of course. And I, if I would have been in Finland long enough, I maybe would have understood some of it, but I understand none of it. Uh, so do you want to link to that? Do you want to give that out for the, for the people who... Um, yeah, sure. We, we can put a link to the to the Twitter account. I think that is the easiest way. Okay, awesome. Um, so that's all we have for you on this one. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And thank you, uh, thank you, Mikael, for coming in. Thanks.